0: Observing Jerry Ryan at the full extent of her powers, it's V'ger Please, a hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your MMO addiction, Peter. Uh, Peter, before we get into this episode, I do want to do one quick shout out to uh, a gentleman by the name of Jeff, who's our most recent Patreon subscriber. Uh, we have exceeded our expectations when it comes to our Patreon, considering you know we haven't uh, had a new episode for them and a little bit. Uh, don't worry, we're already talking about something that we want to do for you guys before we officially finish uh, Voyager. But thank you. Thank you to Jeff and thank you to everybody else that contributes to, to making sure our podcast bills get paid. And there was some some working going on in this episode. Um, what episode <laughs> was
1: it? Season seven, episode 18, Human Error. Let me start off by asking you a question, Joe. Um, why all the hate for this episode?
0: Yeah, what upon rewatching it, I th- I think that there's just one thing that I find objectionable that sticks out as a not a good idea. It D- doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe the actual romance, the decision to pair Seven of Nine with Chakotay, that. That, get, that gets really dogged on by fans, and I think I, I think I agree with dogging on that. The rest of this is actually very good. Yeah, like, this, if I'm to take the collective
1: comments I see from the various Facebook Star Trek groups I'm in, none of which, of course, are anywhere near as good as the V'ger Police Trauma Support Group. Joined today, and, yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't sworn off Facebook like a sane person and you are still... Mucking around in the mud and filth, come join us. But uh, yeah, man, like everything has painted this to be one of the worst episodes ever and awful. And like it gets a little melodramatic, which I think it kind of deserves. Its pacing is a little slower than maybe it should be. But as far as Voyager melodrama goes, I think this is certainly on the better end of the spectrum. And when you take some of the other character development,
0: lovey personal growth episodes like i thought this was pretty excellent the part people hate sometimes sticks out more than the more subtle parts that deserve appreciation i think that's like that bias right like you really don't like this pairing and so that's really all, that's what you leave the episode with and instead of in, of really observing the other you know 35 minutes of the of the experience which feels very earned for seven of Nines' character development but they've really worked particularly in season seven to highlight like the things that she's been doing to try and become more human and this is the culmination of that storyline in a lot of ways and it's well written well acted and actually quite heartbreaking in a, a couple different ways and uh, yeah, I agree. This episode's really good, absent the the specific decision of who they pair Seven of Nine with in a romantic setting. Well, would you like to talk
1: about that now, or should we save that for later in the episode, since that's probably going to be the biggest conversation to
0: have? Let's talk about it when we get there.
1: We begin the episode with uh, some piano playing going on, and I'm a overweight, uncultured American, so I don't know what the The piece was exactly but uh while someone's playing away at the piano i'm trying to figure out oh god no is this da vinci's lab
0: (laughs) john reese davies you're too good for this get out while you still can well just you need to he's it actually he's in lord of the rings movies right now yeah they don't have that john reese davies money anymore i mean yeah yeah he's he's commanding too hefty a fee
1: but you can always break out the old lab where um if we are to believe Scorpion and Scorpion part two, that's where Janeway would go to uh, flex the mind. And she got seven of nine in on a little bit of that. But uh, I don't think that is his lab camera pans around. It's seven of nine playing the piano. I don't even notice the fact her Borg implants missing. Cause who cares? There's like a million reasons of how that could have happened. And then it cuts to the intro and I'm like, I can't remember but previous to this what the most lowest stake opening was, but whatever it was, this beat it by 300%.
0: God, there was one particularly egregious example from years ago. I certainly cannot remember it anymore, probably because it was so low stakes. Maybe one of our fans with a you know that memory that comes with having consumed that content more recently can remind us. But yeah, this is this is a fucking world speed record for let's get to the act one, you know, like let's just, no, let's not dick around too much. With this we got, we got meaty content on the bone.
1: I'm surprised I didn't just cut right into the intro. We need to talk about lower decks at some point. Probably not this episode since we're a little, Time press, but I got some. Thought. Yeah,
0: a little little behind the scenes information. We're recording this on Monday. I have to have it out by Thursday. <laughs> I'm be setting a land speed record and editing this thing. So uh <laughs> if we're if we're cutting some corners in our descriptions because I want to get some sleep in before I spend the rest of my free time this week doing this shit. So this is gonna be kind of a hard one to talk about because not a lot really
1: happens in terms of plot points. It's kind of a meandering exploration of things. What if? Uh, which is not very Voyager-like, but again, in this context, I think works well. Seven's playing the piano until she gets called away and stands up. It's the holodeck. Reality
0: fades out and her implants come back. Well, you're conflating two things. So she plays the piano. It cuts to act one. It goes back to a scene that we think is the mess hall and it's Bolana's baby shower. Oh, yeah. Where she's getting... The uh the toy puzzle from Tuvok and uh some Starfleet branded diapers from Harry Kim. It's very classic baby shower stuff. Seven of Nine is there, but Seven of Nine A does not have her uh, Borg implants, as noted, and is B wearing a plus civilian gear and not some kind of bodysuit and has a conversation with the captain where she asks for a uniform, which I thought you would immediately hone in on of what, what, what did I just hear? <laughs> what is this? Uh Despite not having a rank and she doesn't have a rank insignia for the rest of the time that she's in a uniform. And, uh,
1: she also makes a request for quarters and in this fantasy timeline, she's going to be working in. Um, a series of events have progressed where the majority of her Borg implants have been removed and she is trying to make a hard push into claiming her lost humanity. And, uh, there are many parallels in this episode to holler, hollow pursuits, which was the Barkley TNG episode with, uh, you know, the bridge crew women laying under the tree, swooning under them and, and comparing her to Barkley this immense comfort and self-confidence uh, when dealing in a fantasy situation, whereas Barkley it was nonsense um, brazzers-grade porn. But here, it's, it's a pretty reasonable co-worker simulator, basically. She's built herself with... With a little bit of softcore porn at the end. Well, yeah, yeah, she, a little, a little she, a she unlocks that DLC when the time comes but she, she gets
0: all of the romance options and does the loyalty quest the,
1: th- how very mass effect to, to frame <laughs> this yes yeah this is a real mass effect um <laughs> plot progression here this is if
0: S- seven of nine played the citadel dlc right like yes yeah, that's great that's what this service. is great uh,
1: complete with the red dress
0: so the key element to Jerry Ryan's performance in this episode is when she is playing the holo- the humanized version of herself on the holodeck. It is different than the version of herself that is real. Like she is attempting to be different in that circumstance. She's attempting to be more human and is having mixed kinds of, you know, success with that. Uh, the... This, this uh, simulation is eventually going to, to arrive at a point where she's, you know, with Chakotay uh, doing this whole very flirty meal thing. And she's flirty, but she's flirty using Seven of Nine's way of talking. So there's like emotion to it, yet she's still talking in that sort of with that robotic vocabulary. So it's neat because you can see the emotion coming through with how she is saying her lines, you know, how she is communicating but she's still like stuck with a certain kind of frame by which she is communicating with others it's a neat subtlety to it
1: she is going full immersion in her larping and her live action role-playing of this alternate reality
0: yeah and she's it's and it seems like it is because she is trying to fight figure out a way from get to where she currently is to where she thinks she should be is really the 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 subtext of the episode of she's dealing with trying to find the path from here to there. And this isn't, you know, some kind of fantasy indulgence like it was when Barkley did it. This is urgently Mm. trying to work through this. And then there's sort of a fantasy element that develops as part of it. That may not, may not have been the original intent, but then throws wrenches into the machinery. I would have liked through her, because basically
1: she's playing Skyrim, right? Mm -hmm. And she can make a mistake and it's not going to cost her anything because she can just go through and replay the scenario. They don't do it. I would have liked to see a point where like she has some sort of a faux pas. She says the wrong thing. She really botches stuff and she's got like a rewind button and can like go back in the choose your own adventure novel and like not tell the chauffeur to fuck off. At at which point he turns around and shoots you any of the other gruesome conclusions to those. I always died in the back of the limousine somehow, but um,
0: I think we all did at least a couple times,
1: you know, it would have been cool to see this be a little bit more video gamey, but she sticks with the choices she makes and they progress. Interesting. Like you said, she requests to get a uniform. Um, The implants are no longer active. Uh, Her hair is down. She's making this genuine push to be warmer. Uh, the decorating of her quarters becomes a big thing. And a lot of stuff that you, you would never see fly out of the real Seven of Nine on the real Voyager. And it plays into the, the character development arc where she's trying, but she's also afraid to really show her hand. And I feel like there's been a couple incidents before where it's like,
0: you're like, God, seven one, just just do it. Just do it for real and I think that this episode does a good job of of doing something along the lines of what you're saying, which is like instead of doing the rewind, what it does is it, it cuts back to the real world where she's still struggling with actually doing it and being timid because she knows that's not like a safety net environment mm-hmm. that she could fuck up. And also her coworkers slash friends in the real world are I don't want to say like they're total dicks to her, but they are definitely not like really understanding the struggle she's going through the way that the holographic versions of them are a little bit more warm and and accepting of her.
1: To be fair, she has never tried to assimilate, assault, or gun down any of those holodeck characters, whereas the people in the real world have been assimilated, thrown into walls, shot repeatedly and and otherwise
0: abused by her so i think i totally understand that everyone <laughs> has a reason to not like 7 of 9 like when she came down to engineering and then gave a baby shower gift to Balana. it's like, bitch, I could have come here with a rifle. <laughs> like, I could have bit you. You have all the things that have happened down here. I showed up with a very thoughtful gift and asked what you do with your hair. This is a huge fucking improvement for you, girl. What the hell? What Why if you be- she would
1: have given Balana a, a box, the gift, and Balana opened it up and then pulled a phaser? Like, Seven, what is this? And then she just takes the phaser from Balana and shoots her with it. <laughs>
0: sorry i just gotta it's like scratching an itch like i just can't not do it i'm
1: giving your child the first active shooter uh man that would go down seven for really getting that engineering active shooter uh (laughs) phase out of her system because like pulling
0: that while Bolano's pregnant could really cause some bad blood from the holodeck to the real world for the first time and the kind of the B plot is the space problem, which is Voyager accidentally is flying through the Aberdeen Proving Grounds. Uh, so if you're not an American, you don't know what that is uh, in Aberdeen, Maryland, which is a shithole no one goes to. And there's a reason for that. Uh, that is where the United States military tends to test its experimental equipment. And, uh, so it's like you wandered onto the field where they're, you know, firing off, you know, paladin rounds or something like that. And, uh, uh uh-oh, your ship might get blown up. So, uh, that's what's happening. They're in some alien races, you know, proving grounds for their subspace, you know, warheads. And, uh, it's not a good place to be. They never actually meet the aliens. It's basically they just finish dashing through this, this live artillery range and then and then that's the end of the uh, space plot for the episode uh but it's an interesting idea here
1: real quick i'm i'm not going to because i'm lazy but the last episode was workforce part two where they are with the quarrens who by the end they had gotten like the strong approval of this alien race and like hey thanks for exposing this conspiracy uh we're all friends now and you off you go like you'd think voyager coming like hey here's our flight plan could you tell us about like any terrible shit we're going to encounter and like they look at him like oh man they're going to fly through the aberdeen testing grounds man fuck these guys they really caused a problem for the workforce issue uh no it's going to be fine you're going to love it everything's
0: real safe godspeed Tootaloo motherfuckers or, or they were just like so eager to get out of there. They're like, oh, these guys kind of enslaved us. I don't think I want to have any more <laughs> conversations with them. Let's go. So, Actually, you know, like, you know let's what? Let's get out of here. They didn't just enslave them,
1: they assimilated them. Yeah. They did. They like, were like, did nice a, about it. 100% better job assimilating Voyager than the fucking the morgue could. Those, those Borg knockoff, the morgue. Um, Interestingly, in Memory Alpha, I see that they're saying that this episode marks three months prior to the events of Endgame. So in the uh in the in character universe, like they are almost at the end of their voyage here. Yep, they sure are. It There's is gonna be uh, a lot of tragedy to pack in that last three months if uh
0: <laughs> Listen, it's it we're at episode eighteen of twenty six. That's right on the wanna pay period hazards, basically, you know. Mm. It's... Going old school back to the, the rough couple first months. Listen, you get to the end of the season. This is the playoffs, man. You got to earn every dollar. Mm. Uh, the just a position between the two kind of modes is typically seen, obviously, in Seven of Nights appearance. It's kind of like when, you know, she's in the hologram holodeck versus when she's in the real world and they make a real point of like when she's transitioning between the two of showing her physical transformation particularly that she like purposefully does her hair down when she's on the holodeck and then puts it back up into the the whole french twist thing when she's gonna go be robot seven of nine like they really made a point of doing that of like showing that, that was a physical display you know, decision that she was making, not not just like a marker that they were using for production. That was a character choice. Uh, story
1: real quick by Bran Braga, Andre Bormus. story by Andre Bormus,
0: Kenneth Biller, directed by Alan Croker. All, uh, all names we've seen a million times, so it makes sense that they kind of like are into the details here. True. So in the real world, outside the Matrix, uh,
1: Voyagers wandered into the Aberdeen Proving Grounds They're getting hit with the aftershocks of weapons fire, and they finally somehow find a buoy that's like, hey, get the fuck out. And they're like, oh, wish we would have heard this a while ago. So pretty low stakes, all things considered for a Voyager dilemma. Um, Chakotay and Janeway are working with Seven and say, hey, we got to find a way to predict when this ordinance is going to be coming in at us. There's a lot of space space math involved, so astrometrics you guys are going to be doing this seven. Please figure this out so we can get out of here without getting her ass blown off. Little they know that seven has, uh, renewed her world of Warcraft subscription and is a little disengaged from the normal day-to-day activities on the bridge. We do get some
0: each uh, We haven't seen each in a few episodes. Each yeah, have remember him. <laughs> he's well used here. I think as yes. a, um, you know, he's someone who's undergone a, very different yet somewhat similar story arc and you know he's had the benefit of being younger and it's easier for him to adapt and they use that to, to juxtapose like his ease of like oh i'm learning it you know human uh earth uh philosophy now and in history because so i'm gonna be, i'm going to the the academy and well, this and he's kind of like real easy about it. He's able just to start to really like adapt to this new circumstance where Seven's struggling a lot more and she's got to run fucking simulations to learn how to be a person.
1: I thought the use of each have in this episode was more a mirror for her to look in as to what she had been a few months previous, which was still very much freshly Borg. Um, very punctual, 110% into anything she was applying herself and not deviating from the program versus the human she's trying to be in the holodeck. And when she will emerge from her fantasy world and come back to her duty post, uh, which she has become more negligent in, hub uh, is kind of there as a reminder of like, th- I am, I'm closer to what people expect you to be I'm picking up your slack uh, and, and reminding you basically that you're slipping.
0: I, I guess there's a little bit of that, but I, I really feel like they have so well established each of being kind of closer to um, the, the emotional, uh, you know, fully human, human esque midpoint because of the episode where he sacrifices cortical node for her yeah. and like really kind of forced everyone into the decision and like took charge and, and like explain to seven of nine, her lack of emotional capacity and why she wasn't allowing herself to be helped. And all of a sudden his development was kind of clearly already past where seven was. And that was the point of that episode, right? Of like seven, finally all had to allow herself to be helped by somebody and then help. And that brought her closer further down that road, part of her character's journey. But, you know, she was already lapped by, by each because each you know, didn't spend decades as a Borg and, has had an easier time adjusting to not being bored i think it's more that each has
1: the work personal life balance in check where she is floundering and, and that that's why you see a lot of the aggression that seven shows
0: each and kind of her snippy behavior um, also he got total closure on his background you know, his parents were evil and uh, we're going to use him as a bioweapon against the Borg. And now he's like, OK, I don't have to really worry about that. Her anymore. Her
1: parents actually get mentioned in this Ugg and Mrs. Ugg, when she's decorating her fantasy quarters. I'm
0: sure to Holidays. get a picture she, of them. Yeah,
1: yeah. she gets a picture up. So uh, apparently she has forgiven them for being the almost worst parents in the world.
0: I, I still say that they are the worst parents in Star Trek history. I don't. I really don't think that there's anyone worse. Like, hey, let's go follow the Borg. Let's bring our kid. Like that is just you. You're not going to say each had parents that
1: sacrificed him. Yeah, because
0: they were at least tortured about it.
1: <laughs> they had hesitation. He like... looked very unhappy when he was standing next to the Borg Crowley. Team.
0: Didn't actually want to do it. I'm just saying. Like, and he, he did got, it anyway. He got he did forced it into it. I'm saying they're both bad. But one's got to be worse. And I think
1: I know which one's worse. I think there were worse parents. And I, I think the episode was so bad, I forgot about it. But yeah, again, these, these deep 20 plus episode uh, seasons. Lots lots to forget. Um, I like Neelix in this episode. I like holographic Neelix. I think the computer has done a great job at capturing the essence of the people living in it. and Talking about um, drapes and everything, which he's brought up before. Many, many times, you know, we're not really harping on the use of people in the holodeck that are real officers and people around, because unlike Barkley, she's not immediately trying to stick her dick in everybody. Um, so this is a little bit more. And also, you know, she's not actively shooting people and fighting insurrection like the co-worker murder simulator that Tuvok made. You know, I would say out of all the uses of holographic characters these have been the most benign
0: oh yeah this is the more natural most naturalistic um the only uh time that there's any suggestion that seven of nine like had melded any of their their personalities was that she purposefully had selected chakotay to be her romantic interest within the simulation so there's that sort of suggestion that maybe you know he he was designed to be receptive to that she downloaded a mod for him yeah yeah um, uh, but not so much that it seemed completely out of character. Um, I I do like that when he comes by the holographic Chakotay, we have that last wisping Indian bullshit flute moment of "Here's uh, a dream catcher," you know, just just can't completely let it go, right? We just have one last little little, little taste, little. There it is. It's gone. That's when the flirting starts. Hey, you need furniture. And, uh, a, you know, Seven has obviously already done, like, the cooking thing. By the way, her quarters has an amazing kitchen. There's an island, you mm-hmm. know, has a whole array behind her. It's fucking awesome.
1: No trash cans currently on fire. I, Neelix, eat your heart out.
0: Apparently, Neelix just needs to get with whatever this Borg tech that, that Seven <laughs> is cooking with.
1: Yeah, this induction cur- cooking uh, uh, surface.
0: But now that we're here to the flirting, let's let's dive in. To the part of this episode everyone hates. And that is 7X Chakotay. Why? Why this? Alright, Joe. Let me break it down for you. Okay. Beltran fucks. I mean, he does. Okay. <laughs> As we have previously established. And a quick note, alright? Because this is the only time we'll ever be able to talk about this. We have had two episodes of our podcast that have had an enormously outsized amount of downloads. Unsurprisingly, one of them was when we reviewed the the TNG porn parody. Because really, is that a good one? The, but well, it's the title, right? Like oh yeah. It hits the algorithm, right? Hits the algorithm, and people find it. And they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Click on it and listen to it. The other one was the one that we titled "Robert Beltran is a sex machine." And that got picked up into the algorithm. And that unfortunately got found by one of Robert Beltran's relatives. <laughs> won't say who, won't say the circumstances, not going to say anything else except, oops. But we're still <laughs> right. We're absolutely still correct. Beltran fucks. You, uh,
1: you go to the one where he, like, I think I think he fucked Species 8472.
0: Yes, he, that Wait. was the one that we, we liked and made the decision for Christ that he, is, he fucks. Uh, and he's been the one that's had like the most smoke and girlfriends, yeah. Throughout the course of the show, he uh, we we know that ex
1: Borg have a real soft spot for him. That is true. We've done. So, we've seen that. Let's look at this from a production standpoint. You are going to either either to a introduce a uh, brand new character that will <laughs> become a massive love interest that will only exist within the confines of this episode, which we just got a heap and helping of with space Mark who yeah. Janeway did real dirty. And it leaves you, with a, it leaves you with this whole, like who gives a fuck uh, aftertaste in your mouth? Like, why did you just waste my time with this building up someone who maybe you do a great job and create a good character like space Mark, which we then throw in the fucking trash and a huge waste of everybody's time. Uh, you dig back into the back catalog and you grab whatever that awful love interest she had was in Unimatrix Zero, which gets a nice call out in this episode. We'll We'll talk about that later when it's appropriate. But you could have taken her old love interest from that, who was awful. And I'm very happy they chose not to bring him out from the discard deck. Or you use one of the established cast members and it's Slim Pickens maybe Tuvok, who is not going to really bring a lot of romance in neelix absolutely not kim thank god not uh tom's married now you're gonna bring out some of the fucking uh the crew from um who, who are the space kitty murderers <laughs> oh equinox yeah
0: you're
1: gonna bring out alpha vampire like I, I could get behind him but you know it using established cast as is the right call and of the established cast. Yeah. Go after the guy who can really sell a fucking romance
0: plot. I mean, all those, everything you said is very logical and very understandable, both from a, a production standpoint and, you know, the charisma of the actor it involved, but I can think of no other character like as portrayed less likely to be romantically interested in seven of nine than Chakotay. I really don't. Like, first of all, Chakotay was the one trying to fucking kill her ass, you know, like three seasons ago. Let's not forget. Like, she was, he was cold as ice to the idea of her sticking around openly several yeah, times. That's before he saw her in the red dress, though. I mean, that's before America saw her in the red dress. <laughs> before we could truly see what Jerry Ryan was capable of. Uh, and, you know, new new broke new ground. Uh, but... Chicote, while he has come along a bit to 7 of 9 obviously being fully human part of the crew hasn't had like an episode of shooting at up engineering in quite some time. I wouldn't expect him to be cold anymore, but romance he seemed like he had the farthest distance away from it, like being interested in that at all. And then for 7, like what's the interest for her? Like is it just because Eltran Fox? Okay, yeah that that is a compelling go on
1: he's a a competent leader he's efficient minus the time he had his head stuck up his ass and tried to get everybody killed over that old nasa shitty what episode was that where he was real stupid
0: yeah the old stupid ass that they had to go get the spacecraft out of like the the little uh space-time butthole yeah i mean every other time he's been pretty reasonable the one person
1: i left off that list i guess i mean each of you're not gonna go there Um, Vork, you could have thrown him in for for shits and giggles. How good would it have been? And I want to really focus in on this on the back half. But like, had she picked her romantic interest to be a holographic recreation of the EMH? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, fast forwarding a little bit here, like eventually she'll have a medical emergency and have to uh, confide in the EMH, which she's been doing. And they don't call it out specifically, but like you do for a moment there, see some some real shades of hurt because the doctor in several episodes has been madly in love with Seven of Nine. So for her to discard him because he's a hologram, but then pursue a relationship with the crew member as a
0: hologram. uh, What a punch in the dick. I, I think my actual answer to your question, though, is if not Beltran, then who? Then it really should have been the EMH. Like their their journeys have been intertwined, and and tightly so, for quite some time. They literally shared the same body like twelve episodes ago, right? Like th- mm. this this it feels like that door was a was open to them and was available to them to walk through, and it would have made a lot of sense. They're the most outcasty, you know, of the of the whole ship, right? You know, you've got a an emergent AI and a lady who's not quite human and they find the connection with each other in that way and obviously we've already kind of built in the doctor's super into her right like and she knows that and it, it could very well be that you know as she tries to like understand that she reciprocates like that that doesn't seem wild to me
1: I think Chakotay's the right answer here I am going to submit the awesome correct answer which would be smoldering catcher yeah
0: like secretly they've like been super into each other the entire time we just dude haven't seen. what a yes like yeah
1: if the the offer was made to harry kim like yes i want to see what a penis feels like and and he shrank away like if Ayala's just been laying down fucking pipe like a hydraulic piston for the past three years on the DL doing all the dirty stuff that we joke about Tuvok doing like that's the fan fiction I'll read that's the slash fiction I'll read. here's my if if you're gonna go into the what if category um what a great time to break out bar, bartender Michael
0: it just is like a a like counselor of like learning how to be human like her maybe like bringing in more advice outside of just the doctor and whoever else and like thinking oh bartender michael th- this is someone that the captain confides in this is you know, like drawing the connections about like this is someone i can turn to for like how do i do this right
1: i love the idea of her having an affair with the captain's boyfriend i mean like chicote's already
0: the captain's boyfriend but like the the real boyfriend i don't know about that i don't think i would have take it that far i just think that that would have been an interesting way to like further the storytelling i i think that the doctors was the correct answer mm. tuvok was an interesting answer ayala was always uh the perfect answer uh and chakotay was probably fourth place <laughs> like to all of that you're wrong But for the sake
1: of argument, let's say that Chakotay really is the fourth place. I will take the fourth place all day, every day, before I let fucking Raffi into the equation, which is the dirty that Picard did to us. And whatever bad stuff you want to say was going on here, uh, I will take it hand
0: over fist uh, before I entertain that other option. Let us diverge for a moment on that very point, because I did want to bring that up, which is we're now getting close to the end of Voyager. We are now getting deep, deep, deep into the Seven of Nine character development stage of the seventh season. Um, this is a culmination of so much. And I couldn't help but reflect while I was watching this episode of how terrible Picard is to Seven of Nine as a character. And now, now you have that context, right? Like when you saw Picard, you'd barely really gotten to know Seven of nine right? Like it was right. end of the fourth season and like each wasn't in the equation yet. So much hadn't occurred. And now all of this has occurred and you, and you see where, where seven of nine kind of is close to the end of the show. You know, some other things happen, but this is basically where she's at what, and then reflect on what version of her character was portrayed in Picard. Looking at how they've been
1: softening the edges and, Drawing the humanity out on Seven, seeing her later in Picard feels like someone who never actually saw all of Voyager, and some point early in Seven's arrival into that took the concept of what could this Terminatrix turn into if I needed a badass and fostered that old version instead of saying, Here's this person that's gone through a very um deep and thoughtful character arc and we're going to take this finished product whatever she's going to end up by the end of endgame and then translate her into picard and and i think you're seeing two very different people
0: it's absurd to the point of parody how she is portrayed in picard as this hard drinking you know overly emotional uh super badass out for revenge like that that is uh, those are all things that seven of nine never was like even if you assume a world where something really traumatic happened to her like that that Egypt was killed Egypt was horrifically killed in the circumstances that he was and that it was partially due to seven of nine you know giving information and confidence to someone she trusted that betrayed her like that sequence of events still occurred I mean she would revert to the mean she would just turn into the Borg lady. She wouldn't have, she would just like, emotions are bad. Fuck that. I'm out for revenge. And I'm just going to be the fucking T 10,000. And I'm going to fucking mow these people down. That's what you, she would actually do. Right? Like based on everything we've seen, that's the struggle that would occur is that she would block out everything that would cause her distraction from like getting revenge. Right. And her turning into the sloppy drunk mess uh, that uh, is way oh, too into her feelings, just makes no sense whatsoever. Yet, that's what they ended up doing, and um, yeah, yeah, like that's why that was so awful, and that's why, like, the moment those episodes started happening, that show went from bad to actively harmful to Star Trek. It was a low point for 2020, and
1: that's saying something. So, no, I, I don't think Chicote was an awful choice here, and and Beltran does hold up his end of it, you can say whatever you want about the choice to pick Chakotay as a romantic interest committing to it. Uh, I think that both uh, Jerry Ryan and uh, Beltran do a great job developing stuff again. And, and it's a low bar to clear, but you know, eclipsing whatever chemistry you have between Tom and Belana, 99%
0: of the time. That chemistry comes to fruition in the, in the flirty date scene. We've said it a few times. Seven has a spectacular red dress on that is maximally uh accentuating every single one of Jerry Ryan's physical attributes. Whoever did the costumes for th- uh, that for this episode, you did good, kid. You did <laughs> real good. Uh, even my wife uh, was sitting with me, and Stevie's like, "Damn, <laughs> like that's." That is some that is some PG titty right there, like mm-hmm. just barely getting right on right under the gun.
1: She invites him over. Hey, uh, I know you're a vegetarian, so I'm
0: making lamb. I think. Yeah, like they call that out in the memory alpha of like they they keep saying Chakotay is a is a uh, vegetarian, but he keeps getting invited to social functions where he eats meat. So what the fuck goes back to our conversation of his is replicated meat cheating. Well. Uh,
1: holographic meat is instead what's going to be on the menu because vegetarian hollow Chakotay is like, I don't want to eat this because it's meat. I'm a vegetarian so I'm going to distract you from the cooking and uh, you get a little bit of flirtiness going on and can't get the wine cork out and hand on hand and that turns in a little bit more and fade to black.
0: Yeah, I want to eat something but it's your vagina. <laughs> I the subplot, you know, reasserts itself is that Seven of Nine is neglecting her duties as they try to get through the Aberdeen Proving Ground, right? She's not doing the space math. Uh, Icheb is picking up some of the slack, but, you know, she's not reporting on duty on time. Uh, eventually, there's an attack and she's not there. She's busy, laid up with, Chico- you know, fake Chicote in a red dress. Hallotay. And... There's problems as a consequence, and the captain, like, gives her a dressing down over, like, not being at her post, not, like, doing her job. It's very, like, boss lady Janeway.
1: Yeah, I'm very disappointed in you. You were negligent on your duty. Seven's like, I didn't know I was a prisoner. Uh, Janeway taking a page out of Picard's book with Barkley and saying, I know where you've been. Uh, 49 hours logged on the holodeck over six days. And she's trying to make a big deal out of it. And I, I sit there and I do the math. I'm like, it's only like eight hours a
0: day. I've like, definitely had stretches of my life where I've played World of Warcraft longer uh, over a similar period of time. <laughs> oh, to be single
1: with a good game. Like, yeah. what a... it, I joke with my wife right. and my friends, like the idea of being able just to get up and go somewhere at this point in my life with like, kids and job and all these responsibilities and just do this shit in my 20s i'm like yeah i'm just gonna disappear to another city for two days and or whatever like the idea of just fucking off and and just up and leaving and doing something is more of a sci-fi concept in my head than than like faster than light warp travel on a ship with transporters and replicators like that's that's the level of nutty here. so you know what uh seven you're in your 20s if you want to go balls deep on Neverwinter Nights, you go girl. Ignore yeah. what
0: Jane says. You don't want to see my time played in the first 3 days Cyberpunk 2077 came out. That's what I'm just saying. <sighs> and uh I also don't have children, so, you know. Yeah, well. There's that lucky there's that privilege. Like you sometimes, <laughs> lucky you sometimes. Dude, the kids versus know. not kids argument boiled I, down to its essence. I
1: foolishly overdrank drank on uh, Halloween and uh, speaking of to be in my 20s again I wouldn't think that three shots and three beers could have left me in the way it did Sunday morning but um, being hung over when you have to watch kids is basically hell and I will tell you that the Kobayashi Maru is real <laughs> the no-win scenario. that is when you have been just throwing up repeatedly and you are if you're weak of the stomach, just go ahead and skip forward like 30 seconds. Changing children's diarrhea diapers that are so terrible that they like trigger your own urge to start throwing up and having to figure out like, how do I deal with this no win situation? Yeah. Oh boy.
0: Yeah. Oh, Peter. Yeah. (laughs) Mistakes are made. And, uh, speaking of mistakes, uh, the, the, the real ticking time bomb of this episode actually turns out to be that seven of nine is having some kind of like emotional aneurysm uh, when she's in the holodeck, because she's now trying to break up with like hollow Chicote and like end her use of the, of the simulations. She's too involved. It's, it's going, she's, it's, it's interfering with her duties and also Which like making her feel things that she's not ready for.
1: It's interesting that she would choose again, to indulge the humane route here, instead of just saying, okay, this is fucking with my work-life balance and lives are on the line and I'm shitting the bed," computer delete uh, my video game. No, she goes, leaves her duty station again to go back in character so she can like cyber dump Chakotay and I guess have closure really, closure, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in the process, she, like you said, she she has a little aneurysm. And uh, she collapses to the floor, uh, but not before calling sick bay with a medical emergency. And I... so hollow Chicote doesn't know that he's fake, right? Right. Like when you are in one of these rare instances where the holodeck is behaving correctly and all the safeties are in place and no one has like shot you with a Mauser or whatever. <laughs> you know, what would it have been reasonable for hollow Chakotay to call the real sick bay
0: and say, Hey, medical emergency. I think that's an issue of like the holodeck is always built to kind of remain in character, no matter what. Right. Like they're not, it, it it's, hmm. I would really think huh. that would be a I safeguard. Like yeah. if you,
1: if you slipped in your own nut during the orgy on the holodeck and bust your head on the table, We've established, like, you can get hurt running into a wall in the holodeck. The holodeck doesn't turn the wall into a pillow. Right. So I would have to think there's some sort of, like, safeguard. Like, uh-oh, so-and-so's um, had a heart attack, free base jumping or whatever. Like, you know, emergency out-of-character action by the holodeck. Whatever. It, it would have been interesting to see him call uh, the doctor and the doctor come in. But this is where we get this, this real interesting... Uh, element of the EMH entering the fantasy, seeing what's going on, and uh, a little bit of jealousy coming up, but not before he does his thing as a doctor first, whisks her off to uh, sick bay, and resuscitates her.
0: That's when the information is finally provided to the doctor about what's going on. We kind of already touched on that, and we ultimately tie up the the space issue. With seven of nine essentially returning to form, getting back to business, doing some quick space math, and like transporting the detonator when like shooting a whole shit ton of torpedoes at it doesn't work, which I'm sure you loved, and uh, we we get a little bit of a heartbreaker at the end, which I thought was an interesting like way to end it, like kind of on a sad note, on a down note, which is the doctor comes back to seven and says the reason that happened is that there is a failsafe in your cortical node that is specifically built to prevent you from having serious emotional like feelings because the Borg are not interested in drones getting their, their feelings back. So your, the very nature of your cybernetic components are preventing you from doing this. Like that is why it went into shutdown to like specifically shut you down from, from this occurring
1: you have an emotional governor
0: and he says he can fix it maybe and seven turns him down is like no i i this has all been too much for me to deal with i'm not at all ready to contemplate this dismisses the doctor and then you get a last scene where she's walking down the hallway and she's like hey you should hang out with us and she's like i you know i'm not up for that and you know is like yeah you know you should join us someday it would be cool it would be cool to hang out with you and like gives her a bit of a wink and then you know with no context of everything she's been through of course and she's just kind of looks sad and walks off to do her job she's just not, a, not ready to do any of that yet. When she tells the doctor no I'm done
1: with this there is a very clear body language change where she goes like Season six, back, straight, shoulders, back, you know, back, back, Defense shoulder. Yeah, defense it's, mechanism. It's yeah. old school, seven of nine. Um, Very, uh, very clear purpose. It, it's yeah, it, it's a defense mechanism. And that's where they ended. So I don't know how much this episode is going to play into the next couple as far as her arc goes. So it might have just been a bottle episode where everything's back to the way it was. But I think this is one of those cases where it makes really good sense. Uh, Ultimately, it's kind of an unhappy story, which is nice to see Voyager tell one of those. The part about the failsafe to keep the drones from experiencing heavy emotion kind of flies in the face of Unimatrix Zero, unless Unimatrix Zero is somehow able to sidestep that because it was like a VR environment in a dream state. I think that's the
0: implication was that it was... They weren't ever conscious of it, right? It was only in their subconscious minds that they were able to live that life, which is why she was never fully aware of what was going on until her reintroduction to it post, you know, uh, separation from the collective. And the reminder of it caused her to, you know, seek out this character development, which you is could part also of the, cite... part of the conversation she has with, with the, the doctor when it all comes out.
1: You can cite the time that Chakotay fell in love with the Borg lady. Was the Co-op?
0: Yeah, the episode co-op Unity, I think it was, or something. I mean,
1: all those guys seem to be free of the effects of this, so, so it's nitpicky. I, we can nitpick there, like why does this only appear here? But again, I think it works for the story. I'm happy to to take it. Uh, it's a good story. I agree with the Chakotay, um decision. I I did want to talk about the. The space dilemma, where you know they've got these super photon torpedoes flying after them, um, so faster than left, faster than light, no left or right, right? Mm-hmm. The idea that these torpedoes are being attracted to Voyager's warp signature instead of going after the 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 decoys or the munitions dummies that they're supposed to doesn't really match up with the space math there that they could snap and reroute their course mid-flight. Also, Voyager shoots some torpedoes off to try and take them out, and they have, like, chaff. Which I thought was
0: neat. Like, they have a defense mechanism against that. Yeah, but, like, why not just hit it with the phasers? The transport Uh, at the end was I do believe that there is established lore that you cannot use phasers at warp. That you have to use torpedoes at warp. Mm. Because they're charged with, like... Like they have they have the capacity to form a warp field so they can be fired at warp or something like that fair enough fair enough that the fact that it can snap is never quite explained, but I do like the idea of like basically homing munitions to find other warp fields as a way to like track ships, Sure, you know, like there's some neat stuff happening there, maybe not all fully fully uh fleshed out, but enough that I bought it and I didn't find it to be uh, taking away from the episode at all. And as we talked about before, like the basis of this episode's
1: roots lie in Unimatrix Zero. The reason that Seven starts pushing into these human experiences is an attempt to recapture the magic she felt in there. Uh, and I think that this episode does Unimatrix, like one of those things where, like, a later episode makes a kind of a crappy episode earlier on more valuable by building off of its
0: legacy. Well, I don't think there's anything else for us to comment on, on this episode, sir. So what are we watching next week? We are going into. C see- Yeah. You just saw it. Didn't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Season seven, episode 19 Q2. And there's Q and Janeway and they're. queuing around Q's Unreally an omnipotent son wreaks interstellar havoc when he is left in Janeway's care. Uh, Hey,
0: can we skip this? We have to embrace all of the pain that Voyager brings us, along with all of the joy. Besides, we have talked about the fact that that fucking Q plotline from like three seasons ago was going to come back and drop one more fucking turd in our toilet bowl before it leaves, and here it is. It's time to scoop it out, man. Oh, goody. So like little preview of what you're in for. Uh the guy that is playing Q's son is John Delance's actual son. Right? And uh let's just say that guy is not an actor. This is his only credit ever. It's the only acting job he ever had. He's a foreign service diplomat, like in the Far East somewhere. Like that's what he does. And uh can't can't wait, can't wait, man. I can't You're wait telling to... me that uh that <laughs> Q's son
1: has as many IMDB entries as I do? Yes. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I, I feel a, a certain kinship with him all of a sudden. <laughs>
0: right. And we will explore that single IMDB entry, not of Peter, but of <laughs> John Delance's son when we watch Q2 next week. Thank you so much to all of our fans. You can reach us as always at vidriplease at gmail.com, please on Twitter, please on Facebook. And if you wish to join us in our discussion group, uh, please go ahead and apply through our Facebook page. We'll happily approve you. We have it just close just so that your grandma doesn't see your spicy Star Trek tweets. And uh, we also have a Discord. Uh, not good at using it, but I do plan on doing another uh, movie night with everybody here shortly. So. Uh, If you are interested in that, hood us up. We'll make sure you get an invite. See you soon.